We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. I've said it over and over again, ideas have consequences. And on today's show, I want to talk about the consequences of the idea of radical Darwinism and how you and your family and everybody in your culture have essentially adopted this idea without knowing it. And we're suffering the consequences for it, and the consequences are the degradation of humanity and death. I'm Dr. Ever Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. Today I want to talk about a primary idea, a seminal idea, an idea that has dominated our culture for several generations. And that idea is the origin of man, the origin of humanity. Where do we come from? What is our nature? What is our responsibility to solve the problems of our culture and our time? This is a critical issue. It's one of the driving issues of human existence. If we don't get the definition of man and woman correct, if we don't get the definition of the human being right, if we dumb down the definition of who we are, there are dramatic consequences in the negative, in the extreme, when we check the wrong box, when we get that answer wrong. And today I want to talk about the idea of radical Darwinism, this assumption that you and I are nothing but the product of the primordial ooze, that we all just rose up out of the swamp, and that we all started from a single cell, and by definition, we are no different, at least morally so. We have no moral significance and no moral superiority over the dog, the pig, the cat, the cow, the amoeba, or even the virus. If we buy this lie, which we all have, Our entire culture has. We've been teaching our children for generations that Darwinism is not a theory but a scientific fact. And anybody who dares to raise their hand and say, wait a second, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's accurate. I see evidence out there to refute that theory. Anybody who dares raise his hand and say, wait a second, how can you say that something as complex as the human being the brain, the eye, the hand, the foot, and the function of the human being, not to mention our ability to engage in conversation, debate, and rational thought. How can you say that anything as complex as that, designed as completely and perfectly as that, is the product of happenstance and chance? Isn't this suggestion that we all just kind of happened uh, by chance? Isn't that suggestion akin to saying that if you smashed the pieces of a watch up with a hammer and put them in a paper bag and just started shaking that bag over and over again, that over time, that watch would come back together as a functioning and working unit? Isn't that absurd? Do you actually think that's going to happen? Not to mention the fact that you had a watch to begin with and you smashed it up and that the pieces were actually well-defined in the first place. 
Well, radical Darwinism even takes it a step further and suggests that there was no watch, there were no pieces, there was nothing in the beginning, and out of that nothing, something happened to shake stuff up over time that created you and me. This is crazy talk, quite frankly. It's not logical and it's not scientific. It's akin to driving by a housing development and say there's no architect or contractor. Or looking at a book and suggesting there's no writer, that there's no author. Or enjoying a good painting and suggesting there is no artist. I mean, when we look at these things that clearly are the result of an intelligent uh, creator, author, painter, contractor, builder, engineer, technician, when we look at all of these things in our daily lives, we obviously conclude that the stuff we're looking at came from someone's hand and someone's mind. It would be crazy. It would be nonsense to suggest otherwise. The empirical evidence tells us that there must be a builder behind the house, an artist behind the painting, and an author behind the book. There must be a watchmaker behind the watch. But Darwinism says, no, that's all silly. That's all superstitious religious talk. Really? Really? Well, we could debate that at great length, and maybe we will in subsequent shows. But what I want to talk today about is the consequences of embracing this idea and what's happening in our culture as we speak, the headlines of the daily news. I'm going to start out with an audio clip from the president of Pfizer and what he said at the World Economic Forum recently about decreasing the human population by, are you ready for it? 50%. 50%. Now, how do you do that? Well, you say that's his goal over the next 100 years. No, no, that's not what he said. He said this just a couple of years ago at the World Economic Forum in Davos. And he said his goal was a 50% reduction in the human population by 2023. Let that one sink in. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance, and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to the rebellion. So, 
As we get ready to listen to this audio clip, it's very brief, and it's from the president of Pfizer. He took the position at Pfizer in 2019, and over that period of time, he's been a leader at the World Economic Forum. He's made some specific and incontrovertible statements. I mean, you, he, he said it. He, he said it. Now, some people say, oh, you're taking it out of context, but I, I get weary of that defense from the left when it comes to population control and their bias. Now, I do believe context is king, and we need to be careful. For example, Bill Gates is accused of wanting to decrease the human population by billions. Well, he does want to do that, but I don't think it's fair if you listen to him in context to accuse him of wanting to overtly kill people, at least not those that have been born. He believes in killing unborn people, yes, through Planned Parenthood and population control via contraception. But primarily what Bill Gates believes is through is that through better health care, you'll have a healthier mother and healthier father and a healthier family, and therefore they won't have as many children statistically. They'll have fewer children because they don't believe any longer that they have to have a lot because many of them won't survive, and therefore if they want to perpetuate their families, their, their lineage, that they have to have big families in order to do so. Bill Gates believes that statistically, if you have a healthier population, that you will have a decreased population in the long run. That's the context for some of his depopulation comments, and I think we need to be honest about that. But this guy at Pfizer, what did he say? just a couple years ago. And how can he justify this? You can't accomplish what he's saying by just making people healthier. You cannot decrease the human population by half. By this year, 2023, through healthcare, you got to do something else. And ask yourself this question, why are we entrusting people like this with the manufacturing of our vaccines, stuff we're putting in our bodies? This smacks of trusting the Nazis with the manufacturing of furnaces and telling the Jews that it's okay, don't worry about what they're going to do. Don't worry about the consequences of their ideas. Okay, listen to this guy from Pfizer. And we also make the commitment that every year, as we discover and bring to the U.S. or to the, uh, Europe or to the world new medicines, automatically those new medicines will be inserted into uh, the offer of the portfolio that we will offer into these countries. I think that uh, is really fulfilling of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. I think today, this dream is becoming uh, reality. Okay, how do you explain that? He just said that when his leadership team at Pfizer got together in 2019, they established one of their goals, and that goal was to decrease the human population by 50% by this year, the year we're in right now. Uh, that's a problem. You can't do that statistically just by making people healthier. That's not going to decrease the human population that dramatically and that quickly. You know, this whole story smacks of 
the conversations we've had about others who believed in decreasing the human population. Again, the elites of our time that believe that the earth is dying and that the reason for this crisis is human beings. Too many people. Anthropomorphic climate change is what they call it. Human-caused climate disaster. They believe this, and they're pushing this agenda, and the solution, the only thing that they can point to with that worldview is that we need to get rid of a lot of people, and we need to do it quickly. I think back to 2006. I've talked about this story before on this show. It was the Texas Academy of Science Awards Banquet, and they honored a University of Texas professor by the name of Eric Pianca, a man who was very intelligent. He actually had two doctorates, one from Australia and one from the University of Wisconsin, if I remember correctly. And Eric Pianca taught undergraduate science classes at the University of Texas. I think he still does. I'm not aware that he has retired. But when he took the podium to accept his Scientist of the Year Award at the Texas Academy of Science, he proceeded to tell the crowd essentially what I just said, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's accurate. I went back and read his speech. I read his speech. Now, it was not very well delivered. He wasn't a very articulate man, but he said, look, the earth is dying. We're in trouble, and if we don't do something very quickly to correct the problem, the earth will be dead. This will be a dead planet. The climate will change so dramatically that it can't sustain life any longer. Therefore, we have to take action now, he said, to correct the problem. And what is the problem? Well, it's a problem organism. And you ask yourself, well, what did he mean? What's that problem organism? Well, that organism was not a virus. It was not a dog, a pig, a cat, a cow. It wasn't anything else other than you and me. The human being is the problem organism. And he proceeded to say that we need a 90% reduction in the problem organism, and we need it immediately. He actually then went on to say... We don't have time for natural death to solve the problem. We don't have time for birth control to solve the problem, he said. That won't work. That won't decrease the population quickly enough. What we need, he then said, is something more severe, such as a virus. He said that. We need a disease. We need a plague. We need something to eliminate at least 90% of the human population now, or the earth will die. And this man was getting an award from the University of Texas, excuse me, from the Texas Academy of Science Society, a professor from the University of Texas that received that award, Eric Pianca. Now, after being called on the carpet for saying those things, he said, well, I didn't really mean that. It was taken out of context. But you go back and read his speech, and it obviously is grounded in the assumption that human beings are a problem, not a solution. That human beings are nothing other than another organism, no morally significant than a dog, a pig, a horse, a cow, or any other animal or virus that exists on the face of the earth. Because... In his view, the virus should prevail at the expense of 90% of the human beings. You want to ask the rhetorical question, don't you? Do you want to be in the 90% or 10%, Mr. Pianca? Well, you know what the answer is. He's one of the smart folks. He deserves to be in the 10 while the 90 die. And he was 
explicit that he didn't even think abortion and birth control would solve the problem quickly enough. So when you hear people like Bill Gates talk about population control, even though he explains it away and says, I believe better health care will result in lower birth rates, maybe he believes that. But the bottom line is he believes that the human being is a problem. We've got too many of them, the problem organism. He's got the same worldview as Eric Pianca. And then when you hear this Pfizer CEO saying that the goal of Pfizer, this company that just a handful of years later was hired by the U.S. government and other Western world countries to create a vaccine that would be forced upon billions of people worldwide, this guy just said that he believes we should have a goal of decreasing the human population by 50%. And he said that that goal stood for 2023. And we gave him the authority of creating vaccines and forcing those vaccines into the human population worldwide. All this stuff is grounded in uh, a radical Darwinist worldview. There are consequences to ideas. When you embrace the idea that you and I have no right to exist over and above a virus, and that you and I have no superiority over and above an animal, whether that animal be a pig or a horse, or a rat, or a cat. When you embrace these ideas, these ideas of radical Darwinism, the idea that the human being is not exceptional, the idea that you and I have no moral significance or value over and above an amoeba, an animal, or even a plant, when you embrace these ideas, there will be inevitable consequences to these ideas. And when you start defining the human being as just another organism within the system, and when the smart folks are charged to control the system for the system's ultimate health rather than your health or mine, when the elites start assuming that power, They have no reason to treat the problem human beings any different, any differently than they would the problem virus, the problem organism, the problem to the planet. And that's the worldview behind the climate change elitists. That's the worldview behind the World Economic Forum and those folks that are at Davos. That's why they can justify all of their excessive carbon output, their excessive carbon footprint as they fly their private jets around the world to gather together to tell the rest of us not to drive cars, to go back to the Stone Age, and to stop using the very fuels that they use to live a life of comfort. That's how they can justify this, because they believe in radical Darwinism, the evolution of the human being. And by definition, they have to believe that some human beings are superior to other human beings. We we are evolved, they say to themselves. We have higher intellect, higher capacities, higher understanding. It's essentially Gnosticism in the modern day. I've talked about that before. Gnosticism, Gnosis, is the belief in special knowledge. They are Gnosticists. They believe they are the ones with the special knowledge on how to solve everybody else's problems. That's the nature of the progressive elites. And it's not just Bill Gates. It's not just the president of Pfizer. 
it's not just those those teachers in your local schools, those school teachers that are teaching your kids that they're nothing but evolved apes, and that apes are nothing but evolved monkeys, and that monkeys are nothing but evolved rats, and that rats are nothing but evolved. You, you get my point. They keep taking it back to the point where we all came out of the primordial soup as the result of some unknown thing that created something out of nothing. Crazy talk. That built a house with no designer, no architect, no contractor, no wood, no material, no concrete, nothing. The house just jumped up into existence because something was shaking the bag of time. And as that bag of time was shaken over and over again, a watch magically appeared in the bag. And they believe that this is the explanation for human existence. Again, crazy talk. Not scientific. It is a radical religion. So when they tell you that they're secularists, they don't have a religion, they don't believe in God, that's, that's not possible. They do believe in a God. They believe that they are God. Now, here's another example of where this worldview of radical Darwinism leads. And this worldview that human beings are not exceptional. And this worldview that ultimately has to conclude that some of the human beings that exist today are smarter than other human beings, more fit. The survival of the fittest, that's a key tenet of Darwinism, the survival of the fittest. Well, if you believe that, then some organisms are more fit than other organisms, right? The survival of the fittest. Well, when you get to the organism of the human being, then some are better than others, by definition, within radical Darwinism. All men are not created equal. All people are not endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That can't be the case because some homo sapiens are better, more fit than others, by definition, right? Because some are further along on the evolutionary scale than others. If you believe in evolution, then you believe that there's a continuum of fitness and that as some organisms become more fit, others die off. And rightfully so, because that's good for the climate. That's good for the earth. That's good for the evolutionary process. You can't stop it. But if you're smart, and if you're one of the exceptional, if you're one of the fittest within that system, then you can decide how to push that process forward to a better conclusion for the sake of the survival of who? The fittest. Now, here's the question. Who decides who's in that fit group and who's not? Who decides, in the, term, in the words of Eric Pianca, who's in the 90% and who's in the 10? Does he? Does Bill Gates? Who decides? Well, obviously, they think they do. Let's look at the words of one of the most infamous of the proponents of this worldview, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. Now, the Planned Parenthood folks, the pro-abortion folks, are scrambling in recent years because all of a sudden people are starting to talk about what this woman really believed. And you're going to hear the people on the left. You're going to hear the AOCs and the Chuck Schumers. You're going to hear the Democratic Party say, well, you conservatives are taking Margaret Sanger's words out of context. Well, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to give you 13 things that she has said. I'm going to try to get that in in the rest of the show here. 
And I'll actually give you the references. You can go look it up. Okay, in 1932, Margaret Sanger said this in her publication, A Plan for Peace, Birth Control Review. Look it up. The Birth Control Review, April 1932, a column titled, A Plan for Peace. It's on pages 107 and 108. Margaret Sanger said that she proposed allowing Congress to solve, quote, population problems, close quote, by doing what? Appointing a, quote, parliament of population, close quote. Okay, solve population problems, too many of the unfit, by appointing a parliament of population, which would do what? Here's the quote. The directors representing the various branches of science in this parliament of population would direct and control the population through birth rates over the country according to national needs consistent with taste and fitness. Fitness. Survival of the fittest. So this parliament of population, smart folks, including Margaret Sanger and folks like Bill Gates, the president of Pfizer, the parliament of population would decide who gets to live and who gets to die, who gets to be born and who doesn't get to be born, who can have children and who can't have children, dependent upon needs that are consistent with taste. That's an interesting description, isn't it? In other words, our taste will tell people whether or not they're fit. That's Margaret Sanger. I gave you the reference. Look it up. Here's another one. She called the various methods of population control, including abortion, she called them this, defending the unborn against their own disabilities. That's published in A Plan for Peace, also uh, on pages 107 to 108, same year, 1932. She also said this. She believed that the United States should keep, quote, the doors of immigration closed to the entrance of certain aliens whose condition is known to be detrimental to the stamina of the race. And what kind of people would she close the doors of immigration to? Her words, idiots, morons, the epileptic, and others in this class. The unfit. So if you have epilepsy? Uh, no, no. If we don't consider you as smart as us? No, no, you're out. Okay. So again, those folks, whoever they are, those people aren't fit. Same publication, same page. Sanger advocated for a stern, this is a quote, and rigid policy of sterilization and segregation to that grade of the population whose progeny is already tainted or whose inheritance is such that objectionable traits may be transmitted to the offspring. She said it. That's a quote. Survival of the fittest. Those folks aren't fit. Here's another one. I'm not going to get all 13 in here. Uh, Sanger considered the unfit to be those who should be sent to farmlands and homesteads. They should be taught to work under competent instructors for the rest of their lives, their entire lives. Close quote. So work farms, work camps. You know, that's what they called Auschwitz, by the way. Here's another one. The re- Let's see, she advocated a proposal that called for an American baby code. Her words, and a quote here is, the results desired are obviously selective births. 
the, the code would protect society against the propagation and increase of the unfit. There it is again, survival of the fittest. That was published in 1934. America needs a code for babies was the title of that article. You can get it in the Library of Congress. Here's another one. She argued that marriage licenses should provide couples with the right only, only a common household, but not parenthood. And that if you wanted to be a parent, that you would have to get another permit to have children. That's it. No woman shall have the legal right to bear a child, she said, and no man shall have the right to become a father without a permit. Permits for parenthood shall be issued upon application to the authorities. Her language providing that the applicants have the qualifications needed. No permit for parenthood shall be valid for more than one birth. What is social planning without a quota, she said. America needs a baby code for babies. 1934, Margaret Sanger. Look it up. Library of Congress. So this is what you have. This is the crazy talk of the left. This is the radical, the radical nature of radical Darwinism. This is what happens when you dumb down the definition of the human being to nothing but an amoeba. Nothing but the product of the primordial ooze. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.